yesterday at Davos, Switzerland, the IMF stood up and said, the world economy is hitting into the worst economic headwinds since World War II, the worst. And that's why it could be bad news, but depending on how you look at it, it could be very good news. What does it mean, Davos, Switzerland, the IMF says we're hitting into the worst financial headwinds since World War II? What does that mean for the world realm? This is about as macro an environment as I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And I think most people's read on it is probably wrong. So why World War II? World War II was a fascinating period because like COVID, the entire world had basically been stuck at home or been on, you know, on battlefields. Everyone came back. There was no supply of, of commodities and goods. Global supply chains were broken and everybody came back and started consuming again. And guess what? Inflation went up to 13% or something, uh, maybe even higher. And that period was fascinating because interest rates went up. And the first thing that happened was the economy went straight back into recession and rates and inflation went negative because it was a massive tightening of monetary conditions. You raised the cost of goods on people and didn't raise their salaries enough. People couldn't get the goods that they wanted, exactly like now, and everything collapsed. So we went back into recession, and then eventually some better times. And I'll come back into the 1940s and 50s, because I think it's a really important parallel that most people misunderstand. The next time we saw anything remotely like this was 1974. A lot of people tell you it's the 70s again, inflation, inflation. Well, the inflation episode we had in the late 70s was driven by demographics. That was the baby boomers entering the workforce all at the same time. It was the largest demand shock the world had ever seen. And we had a supply shock of these oil crises of the Arab oil embargo. That's not repeating now. What is actually more similar is 1974. 1974 was the Arab oil embargo. The price of oil tripled and interest rates went up. Inflation shot up. And the immediate effect was the economy went down the toilet. Almost do not pass go. The stock market fell 50%. And the ISM survey, which is a good guide to the business cycle, it's the Institute of Supply Managers survey. Anytime it crosses below 50, suggests the economy is getting weak. A recession comes at about 47. It hit 30, which was the lowest in all history. And it happened in a space of four months. It went from roughly where it is today, which is around 55, and went to the lowest level in four months, based on exactly the same kind of setup we've got now. So are you saying that the 70s are now pretty close? Yes, and inflation fell in 1974 afterwards. People are still thinking inflation goes on forever. It did not, and it did not in the 1940s either. Then the next one up is 1984. 1984, we saw um, an issue where global trade, there was a huge amount of trade disputes. The dollar was pretty strong, like it is now. Interest rates were going up and inflation was high. And everybody was fearing, looking back and saying, oh, we don't want the early 80s, late 70s again, the inflation, inflation. So Volcker was tightening rates too much and the economy collapsed. It didn't go to recession because the Fed quickly started cutting rates, but the dollar went up a lot more 
increases a lot more problems when we ended up with the plaza record in 1985 when everybody had to stop the dollar going up from destroying the global economy so then the next time we see something similar was 19 uh, was 2008 2008 if you remember the oil price was at 147 dollars inflation was six percent the fed had been cutting into that because the economy was imploding 2018 exactly the same oil prices high inflation high the fed were hiking rates trying to tighten the balance sheet and what happened is the economy rolled over really quickly again okay so what's going on here why does this phenomena keep happening everyone extrapolates inflation out forever what actually happens is that consumption falls because we've tightened monetary conditions so <clears throat> tightening money monetary conditions to ordinary people means the cost of your mortgage has gone up at the fastest pace in history over a, a one-year period mortgage rates have never risen this fast so any money you borrowed has suddenly got much more expensive your wages haven't kept up with the cost of just basic services like food so you're actually feeling poorer so you can't consume as much and you start not consuming other things People overextended on housing because they rushed into housing in 2020 and 2021, um, and the rates have gone up for them. Also, just the, the rise in things like the cost of oil has mean, meant that you know gas prices, all of this stuff, and then the rise in the dollar, which is a monetary tightening. All of these things get together would suggest, and I put them on a chart, it suggests that the ISM is going back to 30, which is as it was in 1974, which is a terrifying fall. Now, what, 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 does IS, what does ISM stand for? Institute of Supply Management. Um, it's the survey of um, buyers at corporations who buy goods and services. They ask them, you know, what is what is your read in the economy? How much inventory have you got? What are prices paid like? That kind of stuff. And they create these surveys and you, they're ready available online and you can have a look at them and they go up and down with the economy. They tend to lead the economy. And it's suggesting that if we're not careful, we could have a very sharp, nasty recession, meaning kind of a negative 5% GDP recession. It might be short, depending on what the Fed does, and we'll come on to that in a bit. So we've got the setup that we've seen many times in the past. We've got the forward-looking indicators, this monetary tightening, suggesting we've got some real pain to come. Then the anecdotal evidence, we're seeing all the tech companies who were bulletproof laying off staff and giving earnings warnings because everybody can't raise prices enough. So their margins are falling and people have overextended. Amazon said, we've hired too many people. They're one of the biggest employees in the United States. Okay, this is not good. But the answer to higher prices is higher prices. And that's what's happened. And everybody's looking around you themselves saying, well, what's going to break when the when stuff like this happens, the market goes down, something's going to break. You know, we're looking, what bank is it? What hedge fund is it? The actual answer is it's the economy. The economy has just broken and the Fed are going to have to pivot. And that's what the IMF is saying. Correct. Yesterday. They're saying, and it's dead right, the monetary conditions that we've imposed on corporates and people is the biggest tightening in all history. Wow. We've also got China 
slowing down very fast because the a lockdowns but also they've been in recession so we've got no and and europe with a war and having to deal with this energy transition so we've got no leg of global growth here oh. now the question is is how bad does this get so let's let's talk some scenario may, may, may a quick, well, quick question okay when when people use the word recession that means two back-to-back quarters of negative growth. Is that, is that your definition? That's the technical definition of a recession. Yeah. To you and me, I think it means a a loss of jobs and a loss in your net worth because it's the falling of asset prices that comes with a recession. Now, the po- what's the possibility of sliding to a depression? So depression... I would suggest is a much longer, more extended period. I don't think that can happen right now. Now, I don't say that with certainty. I never do. Talking probabilities. The reason being is there's one piece of magic, the Fed balance sheet. The Fed balance sheet disguises all bad things because what it does is when they print money, it lowers the purchasing power of the dollar. And most of the central banks at the same time do it. And people always think it's going to be inflation is what it leads to. It leads to something much more pernicious and evil, which is the debasement of currency. And what that does, how it manifests itself, is all of these scarce assets, equities, real estate, gold, crypto, go up a lot. But all they're doing is reflecting the devaluation of the fiat currency itself. So that optically can change everything because suddenly all of these things go up, everybody feels okay, and it changes the outcome. People are still worse off, generally, but it's a trick. And so I think that trick gets played again pretty soon. Um, This time, I think the trick gets played in a different way, which was the other genie that came out of the bottle in 2020, which the Europeans are doing now, some states in the US are doing, Japan is doing, and a few other countries, which is... Uh, India is doing, which is direct transfer payments to individuals. So as opposed to making a big fiscal stimulus, like we're going to cut taxes, regardless of what our political or economic views are, this is what is going to happen. (laughs) So we have to judge it with that lens, not how we would like it to be, but what it will be. The IMF says the world economy faces the strongest headwinds or challenges since World War II. You talked about debasement of currency. So here's a penny, it's copper. And in 1964, I was looking at the quarters and dimes, same color. Do you know what I mean? It's the same color. So basically, in 1964, dimes, quarters, and half dollars became copper. And that's what you were talking about, debasement. And I think we're paying the price for it because I'm really glad you started with history because macroeconomics is history. You have to look back in time. And every time people did this, first was the Chinese, they they printed paper money and the Chinese empire collapsed. And then when the Romans did the same thing, debased the currency, the Roman empire collapsed. So when the IMF made that announcement, I was going, oh my God, Because are we looking at the end of the American empire? I think it's going to happen at a shocking speed. So 1974, we went from everything looks okay to the worst recession since World War II in four months. I'm thinking it's going to look similar. 
because of the speed of the monetary tightening, the speed of the rise of prices. So I think we are going to have a very ugly few months, um, both economically and for markets. The question is, is what comes next? And that's the key point. If my base case comes into play, which is the Fed pivot, they stop raising rates. They already started suggesting maybe we'll pause in September. My guess is June will be the last hike. And after that, they will say, well, we're just going to see and we'll see the economy start going down the toilet. And they will start thinking, well, we're not going to do QT now either. So they're not going to start shrinking the Fed balance sheet. And before you know it, we're going to be talking about rate cuts, but we don't have many rates to cut, you know, <laughs> rates are nowhere. So the only outcome is they're going to have to print money. The credit markets are already starting to dry up. That's usually an indicator. The housing market's rolling over. And, That's and a bad indicator. Printing money is this stuff here. You have That's a silver right. coin, you have a copper coin made silver, right? That's I mean, right. basically it's called debasing the currency, which the Romans and Chinese already did. Yeah, because don't forget, the debasement of currency works in a simple way. If you're really thirsty and I have a bottle of water, you'll pay anything for it. If you're really thirsty and I've got five bottles of water, you're kind of thinking, yeah, I probably need some of that water. I'll buy them all, but at a lower price. If I say, here's a million bottles of water, you don't want any of it because there's too much water now. It has no scarcity. So if you make too much of something, it becomes less valuable. So if Da Vinci had created 50 million pieces of art, guess what? They're worthless. And so it's, it's that concept. And what it does is if something gets devalued versus something else, so we're not making more shares in the S&P. Actually, what we're doing is buying them back, making less of them. Therefore, the S&P goes up. Real estate. Yes, there's periods where we try and create new real estate, but generally real estate prices go up versus the Fed balance sheet because it's a relatively scarce asset. Same with gold, same with crypto. So that that's the phenomena because this balance sheet magic optically changes markets. And if markets go up, then household net worth stabilizes and spending comes back. Companies stop laying people off. So it's actually a bit of a magic trick. The bull goes up the stairs. The bear goes out the window. The bear is about to go out the window. The question is, when does a bull start climbing again? We either go through a scenario like 2000, which was a typical old school recession where, you know, equity markets, unwound excesses, the bear market was 18 months or so, and then the Fed keep cutting rates and eventually it stabilizes. But if we look at 2008, which was the next recession, as soon as the Fed used the Fed balance sheet, we pretty much stopped in its tracks. Happened really quite quick after they did that. They cut rates first, didn't really help because the banks was, had seized up. Then they used the balance sheet. Then they did it again in 2010, 12, 16, and then 18 was the Fed pivot, the Powell yeah. pivot, where they went from hiking to, oh my God, we need to cut. The economy cannot take higher rates because everybody's so in debt right. and everybody's so old. So here we are, 2022, right? We have app, we have employers not going back to work. So all these REITs, REITs, Real Estate Investment Trust, they own all these office buildings. And then there never has the Fed, I think there's a $30 trillion debt now, a 200 trillion off balance sheet, 
paying people universal basic income just so they can survive, which uh, you know I, I can now see your side of it, but it violates every bone in my body. But the question is, can they keep doing the same thing given the conditions yeah, so of this today? This is going to take us back to the 1940s in a sec. But in answer to your question, is what choice do you give people? Do you say, well, you're going to get destroyed because of the supply chain issues, because of COVID and all of this, and your wages won't keep up, so we're going to destroy household net worth, and everything's levered. So all the borrowings against houses and all the borrowings against equities and all of the borrowings on top of borrowings, and you're going to let the collateral go down and blow the entire thing up? If there's debt, that's there's also... MM- that's debt forgiveness, that's MMT, right? Which is coming, whether we like it or not. What you're trying to do here, what they're trying to do is reduce the debt via financial repression, which is you basically have inflation running slightly higher so you have than, than, than interest rates. So what you want is to re- reduce the real value of the debt. So if you think back to your parents, how much they paid for a house and the mortgage they had, the mortgage seems laughable. It's because over time, inflation raised the value of the house and the debt doesn't get raised. So in the end, the debt is nothing. It makes the debt less valuable. Right. So it's okay if you're in debt, but if you're borrowing, if you're, if you're lending money, it becomes complicated. But anyway, the point being is you either have a fiscal stimulus which is, let's say, the Republican view. We'll have a fiscal stimulus cut taxes or, and we'll put some spending. And what happens is, is that doesn't go to the people who are the worst off. So it's creating this issue of 1% versus 99, which everybody can see and nobody knows how to solve. The issue is actually the balance sheet because all of the expensive assets keep going up because they keep right. printing money. The so rich get richer. The rich get richer. Yeah. But doing this blanket fiscal stimulus is hard because the the rich get richer again. So I think people have thought, well, maybe we should just try and give it directly to the people who are most affected. Okay, fine. Those are the two choices, or you do nothing, which is too late because there's too much debt. So you can't let the system clear anymore. The old way would have been you let the system clear, it's all okay, you just have a recession, Everyone stops borrowing as much money, blah, 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 blah. The world is 400% of GDP in debt. The world has never been this in debt in all economic history. Regardless of your philosophy, it's difficult to find other outcomes that kind of make some sense. So let's go back to the 1940s now and figure out how bad it was then. This was the very similar setup, the worst supply chain issues, massive inflation, everybody coming back in. But what happened was the economy collapsed. Then interest rates came down and they stabilized and they stabilized because the fed stabilized them oh and um and inflation was running slightly hot three percent and bond yields were about two percent so real rates meaning you in the property market are going to make a lot of money so negative real rates become very good for assets And what happened in the 1940s and 50s was a massive economic boom. What we actually got was the value of the war debt eroding because of this this financial repression. We had the value of assets like housing. The equity market went up 900% over that period of time. 
there was a lot of fiscal stimulus because you had to rebuild after the war and companies were building factories. So if you think of now, companies are going to be rebuilding factories in the United States or in Europe and not in China. So that's going to add some stimulus. Yes, the jobs are not there. It's robots in the factories, but it's still stimulus for the economy. The government will do some stimulus, as we've talked about. Interest rates will remain relatively low. Inflation will remain controllable, but a little bit higher than it has been. And what that sets off is a period of stability and boom because there's so much technology. You know, there's a lot of big things happening in the world that could be. So that would be my rosy outcome would be that. And I think that is still my highest probability that we kind of muddle through this in a way that we don't expect because it feels like the end of the world. Imagine what it must have felt like in 1948. All you can see is the end of the world. And then you get this massive inflation. You just think the, this is the worst thing that could possibly happen. What actually came out of it was something very different. It was the rise of technology. It was the rise of you know the US as a big superpower. It was a rise of the rebuilding of Europe, the, the rise of Japan. You know, it was an incredible period. The Bretton Woods Agreement, where the dollar became the reserve currency of the world, and all these really good things happened for America. Yeah, and look, we're going to unwind a whole bunch of that stuff now because it probably doesn't work anymore. We need to uh. rewrite all of the Bretton Woods and we need to write, rewrite the IMF and the World Bank and all of this stuff needs to be right. changed for the modern world and blockchain technology and all of this. But it's the same moment. That all of those things got built then, every one of them, from the um, Geneva Convention to the IMF to the World Bank to the United Nations, they all came in that period from Same 1947. Time. Is this what they're kind of alluding to, but the Great Reset that's all going to change again? Yeah, it's the fourth turning. I always say the bond market is the truth. The bond market, the job of bond market participants is two things only. What is the future rate of inflation and what's economic growth? Now in the stock market, it's like earnings and this and emotion and all of that. The bond market is simply two things. So they usually get it right and look at the easiest way to look at it for most people is TLT. TLT is the bond ETF. If that starts rallying, which it's been doing strongly, before it was going down when the stock market was going down because everyone was fearing inflation. It's just switched. So oh. bonds are now going up when the stock market goes down, which tells you the bond market's going, okay, enough is enough, guys. You've gone too far. Is that, what, is that why Harry Dent is yelling and screaming to buy treasuries? Yeah, and I am too. It's the, oh, best okay. the, That's it's the best trade in the world at this phase, the next two to three months. At the end of this phase, I think the Fed come with their cannons again. Whether it happens quickly or in three or six months' time, it's coming and the markets will start to, to the Pavlovian response of the cavalry's coming. And then it, I think it's very positive for things like cryptocurrency, probably gold and a few other things. Um, Real estate, I think, is going to take a while, but I don't think it's probably a, ba a big event. It got very frothy. It probably corrects somewhat. But again, I don't think the Fed or anybody else wants to see the property market go down because everyone's got the learnings from 2008. So yes, it softens a bit, etc. I think it's okay and you'll probably get some bargains. And this is a structural shift in the global economy. We're never going back to uh, you know, that chicken run of a thousand people in an office floor. I mean, I used to work at a trading floor. You know, the guy next to you earns $20 million a year and he sits three feet from you with no privacy in this like battery hen formation of people stuffed in for the maximum productivity. That's gone. I mean, 
at Real Vision, there's like, we've got offices in New York, offices in the Cayman Islands, offices all over the place. Nobody goes to the bloody office. We've downsized it once and still nobody goes. It's like three people out of 60 go to the office every day. So it's done. Nobody's doing that again. If we're right here and you got cash and we're going to see this big whoosh and it probably means that the economy and asset prices, there's certain things it's going to set up for, right? We were talking off air about, okay, the opportunity to buy cryptocurrency into this sell-off. Yes, because it is the technology of the future. It also protects against this debasement. We will see, let's say, technology equities, things like genetic sciences and AI and all of this stuff that's coming. It's coming faster than we can ever imagine. We, most of this stuff is down 80%. I mean, this is what we're looking for. If you want to generate wealth, this, this is, is the, the best time, time to step up. Yeah, this is the best time. And you might have the ability to own both commodity stocks because the supply issues are still around for a while. Supply issue, um, commodity stocks and technology at the same time, which a lot of people think is weird. It's like you need to be one or the other and they have this warfare over it. I think both will work quite well as a barbell strategy. It's the fourth turning and that's where we are. And this may be the final event of the fourth turning. It may be just another phase of pushing this towards it, you know, 2001. 2008, uh, sorry, 2008, uh, 2020, and maybe now, it just keeps moving the world into, to the direction that we all know it has to go is, we need to stop what we're doing and change what we're doing.